once again, fans, and welcome back to another edition of the CIAC cast. I'm Joel Cookson. We're very happy that you've decided to spend a little time with us today and tech, check out some conversation about Connecticut high school sports. It's been a little bit of a hiatus for us as we took a few weeks off following the conclusion of the winter championship season, which was a very long and very successful championship season. So we're going to spend a little bit of this, actually, we're going to spend all of this podcast going back and taking one final look back at the CIAC winter championship seasons, looking back at all the events that wrapped up in the final few weeks of the winter championships. We're going to start things off with talking uh, boys ice hockey finals with Don Boyle of the NFHS Network. I'm going to check in with Terry Lowe, the coach of the Open Championship winning uh, Greenwich Boys swim team. Mark Allard of the Norwich Bulletin will talk a little gymnastics with us. And then Joe Morelli of the New Haven Register will wrap things up with a little boys and girls basketball championship talk. So a very busy schedule for this week. So we're not going to diddle-dally around here. We're going to get right into it. Once again, we do very much appreciate you checking us out. Always excited to have listeners for our CIAC cast and hope you enjoy everything we're going to bring to you this time around. We do apologize for the little bit of delay coming from the Winter Championships, and it is, in fact, spring sports season now, but always thought that we still had time to take a little bit of a look back at what took place over the winter. But before we do that, of course, we're going to get into things you might have missed on CIAC Sports. Com. Not a lot of new content there at CIACsports.com at this moment. We did have a story up the other day about a great event that your team, if you're a, a coach or a, an athlete or even a fan, uh, can take part in. That is the Kids Marathon events, which are coming up uh, beginning in early May. Yes, early May. Really a wonderful program that encourages uh, activity and uh, athletic endeavor from elementary and middle school students. So take a look at that. Uh, there is ways that, that schools and athletes can participate and mentor some younger kids and, and really make a difference with the schools in their community. Also, going back to those winter championships, as I mentioned, the Linked Up Winter Championships, where we take the stories, the local newspaper or media outlet stories for all of the winter championships. And I do mean all. They are all in there. Every single story, every single sport, all of the championships are covered in one place. You can look at that at CIACsports.com, linked up winter championships. And of course, as I mentioned, these spring sports are up and running. You can check out at Tournament Central. We've got all of the information about the championships, the schedules, and that will be taking place in the spring. Most of them taking place the weekend of June 12th and 13th is what's going to be on the schedule there, along with some track championships and other things that will take place in the weeks leading up to that weekend. And then, of course, we also have all of these spring sports schedules. You can find who, where your team is going to be playing this year, who, what are some of the big games that you're going to want to check out, all at CIACsports.com. So we're going to take a quick look back. We're a little backwards looking here on the CIAC cast, but CIACsports.com is charging ahead full steam with spring sports content as we head into the spring season. Hopefully the weather will, uh, will get the message that it's springtime and will allow all of our teams to get out there and compete in the coming days. We need a little bit of warming up, a little bit more drying, and I think we'll be good to go for the spring sports season. Of course, also on the CISC cast, we like to give you a reminder from our friends at the Department of Transportation, and this week that's about drunk driving, which continues to take a terrible toll on the nation, claiming almost 10,000 lives each year. In 2011 alone, there were 9,878 fatalities on America's highways in which drunk drivers or motorcycle riders were involved. That works out to an average of one fatality every 53 minutes, which is just way, 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 way too many. Athletes, fans, and families, please always designate a sober driver to stay safe on the road. That, uh, of course, pertains to any time you're going out to CIAC events or really any time you're heading out on the roadways. Please be sure that you are not driving intoxicated. So that's our message from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation. We've given you our message from the CIAC about things you might have missed at CIACsports.com. Let's get into our championship conversation, starting things off with our good friend, Don Boyle of the NFHS Network. He's going to talk a little boys ice hockey championships. Joining me now is the legendary Don Boyle of the NFHS Network. He was uh, all over the hockey championships for us this year, as he has been in previous years as well, the voice of uh, Connecticut CIAC hockey. So, Don, thanks for being with us. 
Thank you, Joel. I appreciate uh, the phone call. And I uh, just want to mention our good friends at CPTV Sports that obviously helped us with the production, did a great job with their live television coverage, too. So I was excited to see that, that we had two hockey games. No, we had one hockey game live. We were supposed to have two. Mother Nature ruined all that. Yes, Mother Nature continuing her efforts to make the winter season and now the spring season as miserable as possible. Uh, it's, we, it's amazing, isn't it? How <laughs> weather plays a factor into yeah. just about everything. Time to move south, my friend. Exactly, or, or just build a, a giant dome that encapsulates all of Connecticut so we can just play all of our games when we want. But uh, Do you know something? That is my vision someday. If I were to win millions and millions of dollars in one of those lotteries, that's what I would do. I would donate to the CIEC for this huge facility that would house all these different tournaments and uh, put all that scheduling the rest. It would be terrific. That would be terrific, and we will uh, uh, we'll get in touch with some people at the Connecticut Lottery and figure out how we're going to make that happen <laughs> for you. So, so you were there for, uh, for all of the semifinals as well at, uh, at Ingalls Rink and then into the championship game. So uh, we'll just sort of go a broad question first before we kind of tackle each of the championship game. What was sort of the... The, the big takeaway or kind of the big story that emerged for you from the, the hockey championships this year? I think one of the big stories, where was Fairfield prep? They weren't there. Where were one of the other private schools, like a Notre Dame-West Haven in the Division One championship game? They weren't there either. Mm-hmm. It was two public schools going toe-to-toe. It doesn't happen too often. So it was great to see Darian and Greenwich uh, getting the showcase in the Division One tournament. So I, I, I really thought that was the highlight point, the big point. Perhaps a changing of the guard in Connecticut high school hockey. Absolutely. So let's uh, you start with that game. So let's dive right into that Division One championship. Darianne obviously came oh so close to the championships in Division One last year against Fairfield Prep. This time able to to finish the job with the one zero victory over Greenwich. What jumped out as sort of the the difference in that game for you, Don? You know, the, the, the amazing thing was so low scoring. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect that. I really thought that you might see a 4-3 game. I mean, they had played to a 3-3 tie during the regular year. Uh, Darien scored five goals in the FCAC championship game versus Greenwich. So you really expected some firepower. But the goaltenders uh, took the show. They stole it. It was just a terrific effort by Will Massey in the victory. And Brian Aquino uh, did a terrific job in net for Greenwich to keep them close. So one goal and really a lucky goal when you take a look at it, as uh, Jake Pardue scored the game winner. Uh, I should say Jack Pardue scored the game winner in the second period when he actually hit the crossbar, which is not a shot on goal. Ricochets off the back of the goalie and in, yep. and there you go. You have it, the one nothing win. Yeah, did you did you get a sense from uh, you know from covering them a little bit and, and just kind of, you know, after they did come so close last year that this Darien team really was on a mission this year? Yeah, they were on a mission. I had a chance to watch them play in the early part of the season when they manhandled the, the Jesuits in a regular season game. And I know Chris Gerwig pretty well. And, uh, you know, we had a long chat uh, prior to that game and then after that game and before the semifinal game and uh, before the championship game. And his team was just ready. Yeah. They were ready all year long. They were seasoned. Uh, you know, they certainly had some great additions of that team to the team that really helped them out with uh, Jake Kirby, uh, who uh, certainly was a terrific player for them uh, coming back from junior hockey to play his senior year um, in the public school system. So that that was also heartwarming, too. That's part of that big storyline, I think, with Darianne and the Blue Wave victory. But, yeah, they were on a mission. They were really good. They played disciplined hockey, and they're well coached. So not unexpected that they picked up the championship. Yeah, another thriller in uh, in the Division One championship game that's given us some some classics the last couple of years. So uh, another team, um, you know, that was back in the finals and, and trying to go one step further than they did last year was the E.O. Smith-Tolland uh, co-op in Division Three. And you talked about offense. They provided plenty of it with a 5-2 win over Massick. What was the story of that game for you? Uh, I, perhaps the best player in the entire state, Peter Mayer. He was on a mission. Uh, you mentioned year prior they nearly picked up a championship win. They were in the same scenario, losing in overtime. Uh, you know, and they come back here and they uh, they just pounded Massick. Uh, Peter Mayer after that quick start in the first period, he had two goals in the first seven minutes and 21 seconds of the game. Uh, he had his hat trick uh, by the time the second period was two minutes old and added one more deep in the second period. He was just a monster out there. Terrific skater, great hand-eye coordination, and uh, he really set the tone for that team. He was un- un- unbelievable. Just what a performance. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not sure you can do much better than that. A four-goal effort in a in a five-two win in the the state championship game. That's one to uh, to remember for quite a while. Uh, and, you know, you can't forget their goaltender too, yeah. Matty Shane. He was he was outstanding. He had uh, 32 saves in that win 
over Masick because Masick is a high-powered team. I mean, they had some guys that could uh, certainly do some great things, led by uh, Shane Duchesne, and uh, I tell you what, he was just uh, phenomenal between the pipes uh, for E.O. Smith-Tolland. Yep, so another team, as we say, two teams. It's kind of an interesting, uh, you get two teams that were able to come back and and after you, as you mentioned, in in heartbreaking fashion the previous year, able to take that next step and, and win the championship. So, Moving on to uh, to the Division Two game, where you had uh, another co-op, Suffield Granby Win- Windsor Locks, uh, able to come away with a four-one victory over North Brantford. What what was sort of the story of that game to you? I think the storyline of that game was that that uh, that uh, Suffield Granby Windsor Locks. I had to hesitate putting all those co-op schools <laughs> together. <laughs> you know, matching the intensity of North Brantford. I thought North, North Brantford in the semifinals, although it took them two overtimes showed a lot of energy and uh, a, a lot of skill, very hard-working team. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, you know, Subfield, uh, Granby, Windsor Locks, they came out with intensity. They scored in the first period. Uh, Jake Bordeaux, the first of his two, he's a youngster. You're going to hear his name over the next couple of years. Uh, really set the tone uh, with, with some pressing play, uh, some accurate shooting. And then they had the, the X factor in there, Jake King, who was a two-sport star, just a terrific player and a great leader. You could just see his leadership out on the ice and what it meant to the team. Yeah, and really another uh, another great victory there and, and a great uh, weekend of championship hockey. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the players. You, you mentioned a few names along the way there. Any other sort of guys that, that really jumped out and really stood out to you over the, the course of the either the semi, going back to the semifinals or, or through the finals there at, uh, at Engels Rink? Well, you're really testing my memory on this one, but Nicholas <laughs> Trzinkowicz was uh, an outstanding defenseman, in my opinion, uh, for Darien. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, if you talk to the coaching staff, they they will say this is the guy that really makes us run from our defensive zone, leading in the neutral ice and uh, helping to uh, spearhead their outstanding offensive attack, although they only scored one goal in the championship game. But that's one player that really stands out to me. Uh, uh, Brendan Cassidy, another defenseman for Darianne, uh, certainly a player that uh, can stand up and, uh, and and put forth a very good effort in all three zones. So you take a look at those two guys for Darianne. They certainly opened up my eyes, along with uh, Carter Joyce, uh, kind of an unheralded player who uh, was really strong in the corners and uh, set the tone on the second line for Darianne and their win. So I was very, very uh, uh, pleased uh, with the way that he played and they played, and I thought they were just a, a terrific, terrific team. The funny thing about that Division One championship game, I had a long chat with Bob Russell at the uh, the banquet uh, prior to the start, you know, when the basketball and the hockey teams mm-hmm. get together at the AquaTurf there, and you have that little luncheon for them all, which is terrific. I was talking to Bob Russell, and he said, you know, sometimes life and games come down to luck, and, uh, you know, he was a prophet. He knew that something lucky would happen. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for his team. But uh, Brian Szilard uh, for Greenwich was a player that really opened my eyes. He wears number 11, a terrific player, hard-nosed player. So uh, I think in the Division One game, those guys certainly uh, were the guys that uh, made a big impression uh, on me. Uh, Jake uh, Bordeaux, the, the youngster uh, for Suffield Granby, wins the locks of the players uh, uh, that you should perhaps remember as uh, being a terrific player mm-hmm. uh, as he was a uh, he was just uh, all over the ice uh, as a youngster, and then uh, you know I, I think you say you say it all in, in one uh, with one name, Peter Mayer, uh, in that Division Three game. Absolutely, yeah, no, certainly as we said, a, a remarkable performance and uh, some part of a, a lot of wonderful championship hockey that took place there. Any sort of you know, I'm just kind of curious, Don. Any you've you've covered Connecticut hockey for a long time, and you're very familiar with it. Do you see any sort of uh, any consistent thread or anything that ties together these championship teams that, you know, maybe is sort of the qualities that you think seem to, to really make a difference for these teams that are able to, to navigate their way through the CIC tournaments that end up uh, lifting the trophy at, at Yale, any sort of uh, any kind of quality or anything in particular that you think seems to be the key to, uh, to earning a Connecticut uh, high school hockey championship? Yeah, I think that's kind of a, a two a twofold question. I think first and foremost, uh, the, the teams that win buy into the coaching staff system of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they they and they play within themselves, which is so important. They don't try to do too much. Uh, you know, they play their systems. They work hard, and uh, the biggest factor might be they have respect for the game. And I think they uh, re- also respect and understand the the importance and the thrill 
and uh, to play out at the the Ingalls rink. And uh, I think that really comes to the forefront that they admire that location. It's a it's in my opinion the icon of uh, of high school athletics and college athletics in the state of Connecticut. Maybe a little biased the hockey rinks. I don't know, well, but sure. you know, for these guys to get to the Ingalls and play and play with the respect for the officials and for what the game is all about, uh, it's certainly heartwarming. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it really it's just a wonderful event and uh and, and we love being able to uh to hold the championships there. So and we know that you do a great job there for us as you do uh throughout the year working with us with the NFHS network and we would be uh remiss to not mention you did a great job for us hosting that uh that press luncheon on the hockey side for us, uh along with Eric Dobratz from uh WTNH. So we wanna Oh the reviews are in. I didn't realize Oh that. yeah, no, no. You got uh you got rave reviews everywhere I heard, uh at least in my office. I, I no and no other review matters as far as I was concerned. so you uh, Even the telephone trick, using the telephone to promote ticket sales. <laughs> That's exactly right. We love it. Anything that, uh, that gets a good crowd, and we always get great crowds for the, the hockey championships as well. So we, will, uh, we appreciate all your good work, and I know we'll be checking in with you again. You'll be a busy man uh, come spring championship time as well with the NFHS Network. And, uh, Don, we appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you, Joe. Always love talking to Don, one of our good friends here in the office, does a lot of great work for the NFHS Network and does a great job calling games for CPTV Sports and the NFHS Network as well. So appreciate his insight into the world of ice hockey. So we, we've mostly had media members, and that's our, our main guest list here on the CIAC cast historically, but we do like to bring in some championship coaches every now and then to get their perspective on how things went for their teams at during a championship season. We had some indoor track and field coaches on, I believe, on the last episode of the CIAC cast. And continuing that trend, we're going to reach out now to Terry Lowe, the head coach of the Greenwich Boys Swimming Program, which completed a double championship winter season, winning both the double L and the Open Championships. Very happy to be joined on the phone now by Terry Lowe, the head coach of the Greenwich Boys Swim Team that uh, earned the double L and Open Championships a few weeks ago at the the state championships. Coach Lowe, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Uh, Talked a little bit about, you know, obviously this is a, you know, very familiar a little bit to you with with earning state championships and and your team had another tremendous season. I'm sort of curious from your perspective, how do you kind of work with your guys to to keep them focused, you know, on each new season, uh, having the success that you've had over the years? Well, I think they really feel strongly obligated to live up to the, the tradition that the Greenwich High School swim team has had over the last, you know, several decades. They 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 don't want to let that tradition down. They they want to create a championship season, and and this year I think they knew they had you know the, the talent to to do it in pretty dramatic fashion. Yeah, obviously was a was a very, you know, impressive meet uh, at the Open Championships. Uh what to you was sort of some of the keys and and some of the big strengths for this team uh in terms of how they performed at the Open? Well, we had a very mature uh, starting lineup. The, the lot of the four key seniors really uh led us through that championship in many ways. Uh, there was Thomas Dillinger who will be at UPenn next year. Uh, setting dramatic new record in the 200 individual medley and winning mm-hmm. the 100 freestyle to go along with it. There was um, Ed Moss uh, breaking a, a long-standing record in the in the, in the 50 freestyle uh, at 20.18, and and Ian Edmondson, our our third uh, captain, uh, winning the the breaststroke after setting a double L record. Sure. And all in all. They also contributed to the three relays that we had uh, that were winning gold medals and and earning all America at the time. So our our senior leadership was was tremendous, and we had an, another really great all American swimmer in, in Jack Montesia Jr., who uh, won both the uh, hundred uh, butterfly and hundred backstroke, and actually set the uh, CIAC record in the hundred fly at the double all championships. Yeah, really was a, a slew of impressive performances. Uh, was it sort of, would you say it kind of met your expectations? Were, were your expectations exceeded? Or, or, you know, how were you sort of, what were you prepared for, I guess, coming into either the double L or the Open Championship meet? Well, we felt that we had the, the manpower and the depth to be pretty dominant this year because uh, it really wasn't uh, the same level of a competitive team as, as in the past few years to, to to meet the talent we had, so we did have very high expectations. 
Nonetheless, we were pretty surprised to come out with uh, wins in nine of the 12 events at the, at, at the State Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, that definitely exceeded our expectations, because even in our, some of our best years, we've never won more than three or four events. But uh, we, we were, so in many ways, our expectations were, were definitely met. We were a little disappointed in our relay performances, uh, because we were, just weren't pressed enough. We, we, unfortunately, we were able to win, particularly the freestyle relays, by, by so much we didn't feel the competitive pressure that we had last year when we were swimming two great relays from Fairfield Prep uh, and then winning one of, us, one of those relays and us winning the other one and just down-to-the-wire events that just, that just forced both teams to have you know, probably better times than they would have had all alone. Mm-hmm. And this year we were kind of left all alone in those relays. And uh, so I think uh, we all got out of the water thinking we could have done better if we had <laughs> been pushed. If we only had been pushed a little harder, right. it would have been even better. Yeah, is that? Uh, do you feel like that's part of the you know the level of success that you've been able to attain? Is that the the team does uh, sort of rise to that competition level? Has that you feel like been a, a hallmark a little bit of some of the the swimmers and competitors that you've had? Oh, definitely over the years. Uh, I think the Dillinger this year was a great example of that too, because in the one event that he was really challenged, uh, the uh, two hundred IM with uh, Dejeuner from Middletown. They're both coming into the state open with 149s. Uh, he just had to—he knew he had to rise to the occasion in order to win that event, and so he was able to step it up and, and set a new state record, 147. Uh, the competition level really helps uh, drive you to better times, particularly for like uh, something I think where where it's you know those races get pretty tough. And sure. Toward the end of a hundred freestyle, you're you, you you if you've got that little extra. Adrenaline push, uh, you're going to do a better job. Yeah, absolutely. Are you able to sort of, uh, you know, look back? Uh, obviously, the the season's over now, and you, you've sort of uh, been able to wrap up your championships. Do, do you are you able to kind of compare, you know, this championship to that one, and and how it sort of how uh, the feeling is? Obviously, I'm sure, you know, it's still a, a great feeling of pride and success when you're able to to win one. Is there sort of a a way that you're able to kind of, you know, feel have each of them feel different to you? Uh, I don't know. I think the last three years we've felt that we've been riding a real, real crest of uh, excellence in terms of all American performances and uh, uh, and just really quality, quality swimming. Uh, so the last three years we've uh, we've really taken great pride in the levels we've achieved over over some of the previous championships. So mm-hmm. we kind of you know snuck in there with a few great swims, but not necessarily the quality swims that we've had uh, the past two or three years. I mean, we really have had some some of the greatest swimmers we've ever had in in the last couple of years, and they've made the big difference. Yeah, no, it's been a, a r- impressive uh, you know success and, and performances at the championships the past few years, as you said. I'll put you on the spot here a little bit, uh, Coach, and you're certainly uh, able to uh, to pass on this question. But as sort of uh, you know somebody who was who was at the meet and uh, you know and obviously an observer of everything that was going on, were there any you know non Greenwich uh, performances that really stood out to you from from individuals and, and kids that really impressed you with what they were able to do at the meet? Let's see. I think that number one in the diving, you know, there's no doubt this, this uh, young man, Tiani Zhang, uh, from um, I believe his hand, Madison, is mm-hmm. just, uh, such an outstanding driver and for, to win the state open championship two years in a row uh, with record-breaking performances. And, he's, you know, he's only a sophomore this year. Right. Uh, really has set a, a standard that uh, both our divers and the other great divers in the, in the state uh, we'll be working hard to try to match over the next couple of years. Um, there was a, a particularly great race in the 500, but I can't give you the, the names off the top of my head. I think that it was a tie that was really dramatic at the State Open. That it was a pleasure to watch uh, that particular race. Uh, the young man, Bryce Keblish from uh, Fairfield Prep, who we know was aiming for even bigger and better things after the State Open, Put on a really great push for us in the in the hundred fly, um, and we know that there are a couple of young teams coming up in the next uh, in the next year or two that are going to really put pressure us. Uh, in Richfield, who came through with a very strong performance at the State Open to finish second, mm-hmm. and uh, Pomparag, which had I think a really super season after graduating over 20 kids last year and uh, winning their 
the division championship and and began to show signs of uh, being a competitor for the Open Championship in the future as well. Yeah, no, it uh, really was uh, some great things all the way around, and uh, and we certainly are impressed and uh, and always pleased to see the the great level of, of performance and and championship effort that uh, that your kids put on. So we and we greatly appreciate you uh, you checking in with us and uh, and and talking a little bit about another another big season for uh, for Greenwich swimming and for for boys swimming across the state of Connecticut as well. So thanks very much, Coach. Terrific. Thank you. Thanks very much to Coach Lowe for being with us, carving out a little time to talk about their highly successful boys swimming program. Really an impressive legacy of championship performances there for the Greenwich Cardinals and uh, the boys swim program. Really appreciate a few minutes chatting with him and all the success that they've had. Changing our focus now, we move over to gymnastics, which actually concluded uh, a week or so before all of the madness of basketball and hockey wrapped and boys swimming wrapped up the winter championship season. So you'll notice this interview was actually conducted uh, quite a while ago. So if you hear any references to time in there, that's why they seem a little bit off. But we were happy to chat with Mark Allard of the Norwich Bulletin about the gymnastics championships. We are joined now by Mark Allard of the Norwich Bulletin, one of our uh, our East Eastern Connecticut uh, correspondents that we check in with from time to time. Mark, always good to chat with you. Hey, it's always great to talk with you too, Joel, especially this time of year when there's so many things going on, you know? Absolutely. You are a, uh, a busy man, and you were certainly busy this past weekend checking up on the uh, the Woodstock Academy gymnastics program, which won the state open title uh, following up on its Class S championship from the previous weekend. So wanted to talk to you a little bit as somebody who was at the gymnastics championships uh, and could kind of talk a little bit about what you saw there and then about some of the, the success that this uh, Woodstock Academy program has had reeling off now four consecutive uh, state open championships. So starting with the meet itself, what was sort of the, the big stories of, uh, of the competition and what stood out to you from the, the open championship this past weekend? Well, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting when you take a look at some of the scores and, uh, you know, especially with, uh, with uh, one of the uh, gymnasts and that sophomore Paige Janiski, um, you know, we've never really seen, at least I have never seen, and I've covered gymnastics now for well, quite a long time, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. I have yet to see a 10, you know, a score of 10, a perfect 10 right. uh, in a gymnastics meet. I really haven't. And, uh, in fact, I even asked Robin uh, Deary Fillmore, the head coach of Woodstock, who is in her last year um, and is, you know, been around for 28 years. I said, in a high school meet, have you ever seen one? And she said, I can't remember one. Well, Paige Janiski came up very close. Uh, on, wow. on Saturday, not once, but twice. <laughs> I mean, it gets a little bit down to the nitty gritty when you when you get scores like a nine eight in the balance beam of all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the balance beam in my book is probably the toughest apparatus. It takes a lot of concentration. Um, I mean, I don't know how you do a backwards uh, flip on a, on a back on a balance beam and land on a six inch piece of wood. I mean, sure. I know what I would be doing. Um, <laughs> Calling the ambulance is what I would be doing. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, you see these young girls do it, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this looks real hard. <laughs> but she was almost perfect, um, with the exception. Now, and this is how down you know to the bare bones it gets. The exception was she had a small hop on her dismount. Mm-hmm. So she finishes with a nine point eight. Wow. Um, and everybody, I mean, we all. You know, we were taking, we were watching this and watching this, and saying, "Wow, that's 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 pretty darn good." However, it still was not the record for the meet, uh, for a state open record. That that unfortunately was nine point eight five, held by Paige Janiski last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of tells you how good she is on the balance beam. Right. Um, and then she follows that performance up with a nine point eight five on the floor. Right. Now, that was a state open championship record. So Paige Janiski has established herself now with two of the five records uh, at the state open. That's, that's a pretty good accomplishment for a sophomore with two more years to go. Um, it's kind of funny. She only finished .125 off the all-around record, right. which is held by, well, her soon-to-be coach, Casey Fillmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey Fillmore is uh, Robin Deary Fillmore's daughter. A very good gymnast went to Bowling Green uh, University uh, back in the uh, well in the mid 2000s, I guess you could say, um, and uh, she is now an assistant coach for uh, for Woodstock, and as well as Killingly and Woodstock are kind of tied together in the same uh, same program. Sure. And so she's 
she is the assistant coach, and next year will be the head coach of Woodstock Academy. So, you know, Paige Janiski almost beat her all-around record, uh, finishing .125 off, which was a pretty darn good accomplishment as well for the sophomore. And, you know, when you think about it, that one, those scores, people were just looking at these scores as they popped up on the board, and they were eye-popping scores. You just don't see scores like this very often in gymnastics. So you've got to look at it as Paige Janiski really – uh, kind of was the highlight of the show. It's kind of interesting, too, that they have Paige Tanitsky, who is kind of a graceful athlete. And then you have, and it's, I'm not going to say that you know, Grace Logan is not graceful, uh, because she is, but it's kind of the antithesis because she is kind of a power person. Right. Um, you know, if you think, you know, Paige does things almost to perfection, but not to the point of Grace Logan, who is going to overwhelm you sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just see what she can do, like on the bars and on the uh, um, and on the vault, and the strength that she has. Um, and Grace Logan picked up a really nice uh, number on the vault, nine point five five, to uh, to really you know <laughs> get right into the thick of the battle as well. She right. finished with a thirty seven point six two five total. Paige Stanisky finished with a thirty eight point seven total. Uh, so you can understand why Woodstock had a pretty good chance of, uh, of winning the state open championship, which they did quite handily. Yeah. Um, eight points in the gymnastics is pretty handily, and they beat uh, Southington uh, 148.3 to 140.325. So that's a pretty good win. And it's, the two programs have kind of flip-flopped a little bit. It used to be that Southington was the team to beat mm-hmm. um, and the program to beat, and now everybody's looking at Woodstock as the program to be. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a flip-flop here uh, as far as uh, gymnastics is concerned. Yeah, and it, as you said, it's sort of uh, overwhelming performances. And as, and also, you know, just from a, a sophomore, as you mentioned, you sort of look forward to what she might be able to uh, to accomplish in the, in the years to come. So sort of building, you know, pulling back a little bit. Obviously, you mentioned uh, the Woodstock coach who's been there a long time. But has there been any sort of you know, key in talking to her sort of of this recent, you know, upswing of the program? Obviously, it's been a program that's had a lot of success. It's not, you know, they're not uh, unfamiliar with success, but this has been a little bit of unprecedented run that they're on now. Has, has Have you been able to talk to her and sort of see what's the what's been different, what's been the key to kind of this recent run that they're on? Is it just, you know, well, having, having I, great I gymnasts, or, or is there something more to it here? Well, I think it's like anything else, it's called the feeder program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in gymnastics, it's probably more so that than in most sports. Yep. Um, you know, here's, here's an interesting thing I think you'll like about Robin Deary Fillmore. She might have or might hold a record that uh, in CIACville, <laughs> I call it, that nobody probably has ever done. And, and I don't know who, who will do it next, but she is one of the few people I know who has won two state championships for two different programs on the same day. Interesting. Okay. You figure that one out, but it did happen. Um, and it was back uh, a couple of years ago, and I, and I can't, I'm not going to say if it was, a, it was not yet last year. It might have been the year before or the year before that, um, when she won a Class M championship with Woodstock, and she won a Class S championship with Killingwood. 2012, that's uh, with the, my go. record there book up here. Thank so you very two- much. I knew you would have that answer hey, at the tip of your tongue. I, I facilitate um, I I as best I can, Mark. <laughs> but think about that. How yeah. many coaches can say, I won two state championships in one day <laughs> with two different programs? Right. Uh, that's a pretty pretty big accomplishment in my book. Absolutely. And she, um, she owns, and let's face it, gymnastics is based around the local gymnastics program. Because most of these kids, you know, they're, they're in gymnastics since they're, you know, three, four, five years old. Mm-hmm. They started when she was five. Um, and she owns, and Robin Deary Fillmore owns Deary's Gymnastics, which is in downtown Danielson, um, and services obviously most of Northeast Connecticut. And I think that's how gymnastics basically works: is uh, the gymnastics uh, athletes come up through the system mm-hmm. and work, you know, generally with the same coaching staffs and things like that, right through their lifetimes. Uh, be it in you know club program or be it in a high school program, and they gradually get better and better. And I think that's what Robin Deary Fillmore has done. She built, she's built a business, and she's built a program because of that. Um, the business has something to do with it because it's, you can't learn gymnastics in a day. Right. Uh, you can't go out there. I mean, I know athletes who try it. 
Uh, maybe they're naturally gifted and they have the, the potential to do so, uh, but I don't know how many really succeed at it when they just take it up in high school. Yeah. Um, most of them have to have some background in it. I think that goes true with most sports, but even more so with gymnastics. You have to have some background, some idea. You just can't say as a freshman in high school or as a sophomore, hey, I'm going to be a gymnast today. Right. Not as easy as you think. Yeah. I mean, you may be able to tumble and everything, but it's doing the routines and figuring it all out and having that you know, natural uh, ability to, to do so that I think is, it takes some time to develop. And that's really what I think Robin Derry Fillmore has done. She has built uh, the program. Uh, she, you know, obviously, as the business has grown, so as the program has, has grown, um, the numbers have kept up, and they just keep flowing through. And when you know as well as I do, success breeds success. Sure. You know, you start talking state open champions, you start talking um, state championships, you start talking like last year on New England championship, which she has a good potential to do so again this weekend. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're going to get kids to come. There's just no question about it. Yep. No, absolutely, and uh, it has been. You know, as you say, you sort of look at the, at some of the, at least in the in the the recent years, uh, some of the more successful programs just across across sports. You know, across Connecticut high school sports, and that uh, that Woodstock uh, Academy gymnastics program is certainly uh, ranks up there with on the run that it's on. Uh, obviously, and a, couple, a couple of other little things with that. I'll mention mm-hmm. a couple of other names for you because I think they should be mentioned. Uh, Jackie and Nikki Geary. Um, are two seniors who have really helped the program out, kind of add that balance. You need four scorers. Sure. Um, and they add some balance to it. You also have uh, another uh, uh, good athlete in the name by, by the name of uh, Jordan Pacino, uh, who has also added a, um, a, uh, a good uh, amount to the program. Uh, it's not just Paige Danitsky and Grace Logan. Uh, and if she does, <laughs> she says, well, Casey Fillmore says that they do have some more kids coming up, too. So we haven't seen the last of Woodstock, and Logan and Stanisky both are only sophomores. Right. Uh, so they're, they're only going to get better. A couple of other kids we should mention uh, mm-hmm. from the State Open. Uh, Taylor Churchill uh, from Norwich Free Academy. Uh, she won the uh, uneven bars, was third in the all-around. Um, an impressive performance from her. Uh, let's see if some of the other names we should. Number uh, the fourth, uh, number four in the as far as the all-around was concerned was Lauren Wright of New Milford, the host school, mm-hmm. uh, New Milford, which uh, had the State Open this past weekend. Uh, Abby McGurk from Daniel Hand uh, was fifth overall. Uh, some other people who will be uh, traveling to New England include uh, Tiffany Coleman from Jonathan Law High School, uh, Cynthia Lerman from Branford High School will be up there. Cameron Dawkins uh, from Platt High School uh, has qualified. She did so in the four. They all the top six in each individual event qualify for New England. Uh, Julia Lindbergh. Uh, qualified on the beam. Uh, she's from Shelton. Alexander, Alexandra Rothstein from Southington also qualified, um, as did uh, Aaron McClario from Daniel Hand and Marilyn Sporbert from Southington. And let's see, Haley Olson from Weathersfield uh, also qualified uh, for the New England. So uh, just some other names for you there so we don't forget anybody. Absolutely, <laughs> no, and uh, and strong performances. Obviously, you know, just earning your way to, to compete at the Open Championship is, is noteworthy in and of itself. So, uh, and you got to take a little ride this weekend because it's up in Derry, New Hampshire, if you want to go check it out. Well, so, there you uh, go. That, uh, not, not New maybe England's on there. a little bit out of state. No, nah, maybe not right on anyone's path uh, for the weekend, but to uh, certainly see some <laughs> I know good... it's not on mine. I travel <laughs> about two hours this weekend. <laughs> well, we will... Uh, uh, we will look forward to seeing what uh, what you have to report about it and see how our Connecticut athletes fare there. And, uh, and Mark, we always appreciate you uh, checking in with us. I know you're a, a very busy gentleman this time of year, so getting the perspective on what's going on there and uh, a sport that, as we uh, I said in our intro talking to you, that we don't cover uh, too, too much on the CIAC cast, but certainly want to make sure we, we give credit to the to the great performances this past weekend at the uh, the gymnastics championship. So thanks Absolutely. for checking in with I us and, uh, and, and all the good work you're doing covering the sport. Thank you, Joel. Last, but now certainly not least, after we thank Mark for all of his uh, excellent insight into gymnastics. Again, a sport that we don't, unfortunately, don't cover all that often here on the CIAC cast. Not a lot of uh, reporters that are simply dedicated to that beat, so it's not one where we have a, a great list of folks that we can reach out to consistently to try to get their perspective, but certainly want to make sure we give it its just due. And as he, as Mark mentioned, really some uh, remarkable performances during the championships in that sport this year. But certainly now, we last but not least, we have coming up 
on the CIAC cast. One of our favorites, someone I love just chatting with all the time, and that is Joe Morelli of the New Haven Register. He's going to offer some thoughts on the Boys and Girls Basketball Championships. It's been a few weeks since the basketball championships at Mohegan Sun, but that doesn't mean we can't get on the phone with one of our favorite podcast guests, Joe Morelli of the New Haven Register, who covers basketball, primarily boys basketball, but he was uh, he was locked into Mohegan Sun Arena with the rest of us over a very busy weekend. So I wanted to get his perspective on some championship action. Joe, thanks for being with us. Oh, my pleasure, Joe. Always good to uh, to check in with you. So obviously, as I said, you're you're primarily focused on the boys, but you were there for all eight finals uh, for what was a busy and uh, and hopefully very successful championship weekend. Just sort of from a, a big, broad perspective, what were your sort of biggest takeaways from the the championship basketball weekend? Well, to me, at least from the boys' perspective, Joe, is that the uh, the split down the middle of the intrigue of those who have been there and those who have not. Mm-hmm. Um, you had three, a couple of finals where you had that kind of matchup. We had Fairfield Prep, who had been there three of the previous four years, and, not, and then ended up four of the previous five against a team West who had never been played in a championship final before. You had a Class L game where you had Bunnell had never played in a state final versus a team had one been in, been in one since '74 and hadn't won one since 1942. When of course neither you and I were alive, and sure. most of the people listening to this were either. Um, Class Samuel I mean, Weaver who had been in the last two finals and lost playing against a team in Notre Dame Fairfield who hadn't played in only one in 1980. Class S, you had the rematch of two teams who, who have been spent a lot of time in the finals. Sager Hart, who defended his title, and Valley Regional, who would won two titles and now have lost two titles in the last five years. So you had a lot of intrigue. And obviously with Capital Prep Girls, um, a team that has been there a lot recently, and is obviously the best girls team in the sport. Yeah, no, that definitely. It's it's interesting to see how those uh, those perspectives are, are changing, and you know whether teams that are are there for the first time in a while, uh, you know, are are a little awed and, and overwhelmed by the uh, by the 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 atmosphere at Mohegan Sun. Um, but it didn't seem like we had too much of that. It seemed like most of the teams that were there played. Uh, pretty pretty well um so having seen sort of a lot of games at mohegan and and championships over the past couple of years this is sort of a an intro just sort of general question i guess but do, have you seen any sort of trends or, or similarities or things that kind of as you head towards you know championship weekend you know next year maybe or, or looking back that you would say you know those are the things that seem to really separate the championship teams once they get to uh to those championship rounds well, I think just speaking from the Mohegan perspective, Joel, is that the experience means a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the teams usually you, you know the teams that are going to do pretty well. Uh, once in a while, you'll get your uh, your very low Cinderella seed that'll get there, but it's team teams that are motivated to get there. Fairfield Prep, this probably wasn't their best edition of teams. I think last year's team was better. But, again, the experience of being and playing in those games and playing in March, it means a lot to those who have not been in the semifinals or finals. Uh, a team like a Weaver who is extremely motivated to be get back to the final and win. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Sacred Heart returns all five stars from a state championship team. The pressure's on them. They're able to deal with it. I think that means a lot. Uh, I think that plays a big factor as far as you know, so the teams who have been there. So I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure who will be there next year, but I think it's, you're going to see some teams you've seen before, uh, whether you like it or not. I think that experience plays a big factor, even at the high school level. Yeah, no, I think there's no question. You hear that, uh, you know, we, for those the wrapping up the the men's basketball final four and the and the women's tonight, you know, you talk about the the experience versus inexperience thing, and it, it does seem to play a factor in the. Uh, in the boys and girls basketball high school championships as well, and led to some some really thrilling games. Another thrilling uh, boys double L game, uh, girls S championship has provided some dramatic finishes the last couple of years. Any particular uh, players that sort of jumped out at you and really stood out? Obviously, there's some you know some very familiar names, but uh, you know some of those familiar names, maybe some ones that surprised you a little bit with how well they played at uh, at Mohegan. Well, for the familiar games, you would have to say Kaya Gillespie. I mean, I wish she had 40 points, mm-hmm. and I don't know if she take a shot outside of five feet or make one outside of five feet. I don't know, because because they just dominated so much. And she, you know, I mean, to score 40 points in a state final is pretty impressive. Uh, but usually it's in a variety of different ways, but she's just so dominant inside that, you know, against Northwest Catholic. Um, obviously, Mustafa Heron, 
the best player in our state. I mean, he didn't have to dominate uh, because he's got had a lot of help. But um, you know, Bunnell, I, I was impressed with uh, Bunnell as a whole. I mean, they played as a team. I mean, Ryan Pittman didn't score a lot, the point guard, but he he's the engine that made that team go. Um, he was, and then obviously the guy in the losing effort, Jerome Chapman, who scored 29 points. Uh, if those who did not know him or had only heard the name was pretty impressive what they saw that Sunday afternoon against Bunnell, even though they lost. Yeah, that was really a, a thrilling game, and I, I think the score maybe not quite as indicative of how close and how competitive that game was. Uh, well, without him, can you imagine what Nogatuck would be would have been without him? I mean, sure. Nobody else scored. The next best was 10 points. Yeah. So and, I mean, they couldn't really do anything with him, but they kind of stopped everybody else. Yeah, and for the uh, just for the the fact checkers among us, forty two points, twenty two rebounds for Kaya Gillespie in that uh, that championship uh, championship. Right, game, so. and like I uh, and like I said, I don't know if she had to make anything outside of five feet. Yeah, no, it was just a, a dominating effort from uh, from start to finish, really, for the the Capital Prep team, and yeah, uh, one of many uh, came after, of course, uh, Wilton's uh, Erica Meyer, the previous. Uh, earlier scored uh, 40 herself so that was uh, some very impressive performances right, there uh, as well any uh any sort of moments or, or games that really jumped out at you that you sort of take away or you know favorite games or moments from the weekend i think what is going to get lost in fairfield prep finally getting the monkey off its back and winning a title was the defensive performance they they put on jeremiah livingston of west hill when jeremiah livingston had carried west hill throughout the postseason throughout the regular season. I mean, they didn't lose a game in the FCAC, mm-hmm. which is pretty impressive. When It'll go down as one of the most impressive things you ever remember because to go through the FCAC undefeated uh, is is something to behold, to be honest with you. And he's what they were able to do to him on that Saturday night to hold him to one basket yeah. is as impressive a defensive performance as I saw all year. And I saw 67 games. Right. So I think to to be able to have done that, and West Hill to have been able to withstand that and have a shot to win it at the buzzer, uh, despite having their best player struggling, uh, says a lot about them as well. But Perfect Pep was able to really, you know, with, with Ryan Foley and Matt Garricks able to really kind of base guard him and pick him up through the lane and make every shot difficult. That's, uh, that, to me, was, was the most impressive thing from the weekend. Yeah, no, certainly, and that uh, that game has, has proved to, to provide some incredible thrills the last couple of years, that uh, the boys' double L game, the sort oh. of uh, headline yeah, game well, of Saturday again, night. Fairfield Prep, I mean, a number of those players were there and had to deal with that second-half collapse, and that's all every, a lot of people are going to remember from last year, not all the games that they won leading up to it, but the second-half collapse against Bridgeport Central and losing in the state final. And for them to be able to come all the way back and win it without Pascal Chuku, without Keith Petway, says a lot for the program. It certainly does. And, yeah, a lot of toughness and, uh, and mental toughness there to, to hang in and, uh, and earn that win. So sort of uh, going back even a little broader, any sort of uh, big stories or, or kind of things that you take away as kind of the, what you're going to remember from this, uh, from this basketball season? Um. I'm going to remember Sacred Heart going wire to wire as our number one team. They were they were one of the best teams we've had in the last half dozen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to remember that defensive performance from Fairfield Prep. Um, the, the greatest of Capital Prep winning three in a row, and, all, and wondering if we could have a historical matchup between Capital Prep and those Hill House girls teams. That would be something I like to have, love to see. Yeah. Uh, but and but mo- and most importantly. For a guy who grew up in Stratford, uh, even though I didn't go to that high school to see Bunnell mm-hmm. win their first state championship in school history, uh, again, this is a team that had been to the semifinals the previous two years and and lost to the eventual champions in Norwich Free Academy, um, excuse me, in uh, Woodstock Academy, and, and last year they lost to, uh, I forget, oh yeah, they lost to Windsor, and then to beat Bassick in the semifinals, it was the best game I saw all year. And then to uh, pull away in the fourth quarter against a very good Naugatuck team, that that to me is impressive because both teams had great rooting sections. And, again, to see two teams who hadn't been there in a while or had not been there at all, and, and you knew somebody was going to win for the first time, and that was that to me. To see Bunnell do that 
I think was pretty impressive for a program that really doesn't have a lot of basketball history. Yeah, uh, no, a lot. really, the, the the atmosphere in that game was, you know, uh, again, as I said, I sort of go back to you look at the final score, and I'm not sure that totally told the story of what a just sort of thrilling uh, that that game just had all the atmosphere and intensity you could could ever want from a, a state final. It was really a quite a quite a quite a game and and hopefully quite a weekend for everyone who made it out to Mohegan Sun. We certainly thank all the fans and uh, and all the media that were there to to provide great coverage and always a pleasure for me to get to spend a weekend hanging out with Joe Morelli and uh, always a pleasure to talk to him on the phone as well. So Joe, we appreciate it and uh, we'll check in with you again real soon. Joe, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much to Mr. Morelli for his insight into what was another great weekend of competition at the Mohegan Sun for the Boys and Girls Basketball Championships. Certainly like to thank all of the fans who came out and gave us another record attendance there at Mohegan Sun. More than 20,000 turned out for two days of basketball action. Really continues to provide a great championship experience for our, our student-athletes and, and just a wonderful weekend and really thrilled with everything that took place there at the Mohegan Sun. So thanks to Joe for recapping all of that for us. Thanks, of course, to all of our guests as we wrap things up here on this edition of the CIC cast. Mark Allard of the Norwich Bulletin, Coach Terry Lowe of Greenwich High School, and Don Boyle of the NFHS Network. Glad to have all of them with us. We're glad to have you with us as we uh, take a look now. As I mentioned, now we're going to start turning our attention to the spring sports season. Hopefully we'll be back uh, in back to our regular every other week schedule here with the CIC cast. Encourage folks again to check out CICsports.com. Check out the spring sports schedules. Keep an eye on what's going on with your favorite team. Check us out on Twitter at CIAC Sports is our Twitter handle. We post things uh, very frequently there. Anytime there's new stories or new information posted on CICsports.com, we will have the link on Twitter. Or you can follow us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash CIAC Sports is another great way to keep tabs on what's happening in the CIAC. We also uh, encourage us, and I still think I'm, I'm waiting for my very first CIAC cast email. If you email CIACcast at CASCIAC.org, they will come right to me. Anything you want me to talk about? What are some uh, topics you'd like covered on the CIAC cast? We'd love to hear from you as well. So thanks again for all of our guests for being with us. Really good addition, I think, of the CIAC cast. Some really good conversation and wrapping up a really good winter championship season. I am Joel Cookson. We thank you so much for being with us. Hope you'll be with us once again when we return for another edition of the CIAC cast. <laughs>